our brains are wired for connection, but trauma rewires them for protection. That's why healthy relationships are difficult for wounded people. Do these words speak to you? Trauma can come from many difficult sources, and sometimes this includes those closest to you, your family, negative experiences you had growing up, or even heavy responsibilities and expectations placed on you throughout your childhood can often be too difficult to forget. Psychologists call these adverse childhood experiences, potentially traumatic events that can happen from a child's birth until they reach adulthood. According to Centers for Disease and Prevention, these events are linked to chronic health problems, mental illnesses, and substance use problems in adolescence and adulthood. So even as you grow up and replace the family you were born into with the family you choose for yourself, it's still hard to let go of the trauma. It seems as if the ghosts of your past come alive and try to make it all about them once again. And even if you know in your heart that your partner is not the parent who hurt you, it may not help. What kinds of trauma can one experience through their lives and how do these traumas impact their romantic relationships? Let's explore four types of trauma and their effects on your romantic life. Rejection trauma. Let's start with the trauma of being rejected. Rejection trauma is born in a home where we're made to feel like we don't matter. Try to think back into your childhood. Were you always pushed away? Do you feel like you're not worthy of your parents' time? If instead of love and warmth, you felt rejected, you may have carried that feeling with you. And today, you might find yourself fearing rejection all over again. Only this time you may feel rejected by your romantic partner. A 2015 research paper published in Dialogues in Clinical Neuroscience examined emotions that occur when people perceive rejection in their relationships. According to researchers, rejection trauma could make you feel hurt, jealous, lonely, ashamed, guilty, socially anxious, and embarrassed. All of these emotions can later negatively impact your relationship. Ladies and gentlemen, you already know what it is. The VOR, the voice of reason, is live on KBLA Talk 1580. It's Monday, the 21st of August. I got to shout out my granddaughter. She turned five today. Yeah. I'm sorry. But you already know what I got to do. I got business to take care of. And every Monday, I come in here with a heater, a slapper of a topic to get us thinking deeper about intimate relationships. You've heard me say it a million times. Relationships are not just Netflix and chill. Re relationships are inherently spiritual. There are lessons to be learned about oneself in relationships. Even fear, according to the great Krishnamurti, is in relationship to something. It can't exist in a vacuum. Oh, I don't want to relive the past. Fear is in relation to the past. Oh, I wish this turns out great. Fear is in relationship with the future. The one thing fear cannot be in relationship with is the present unless you consent. Oh, Lord. Tonight's topic. We got a heater. Oh, boy, we've got a heater. Can wounds, unhealed wounds, trauma lead to wisdom? How to effectively deal with trauma with my special guest. My homeboy is in the building. Listen, you want to get to your phone lines tonight. 
if you if you're going through it and you need some help, I have one of the most profound, effective, efficient, professional, insightful, inspiring therapists in the game today. With over 40, 50 years of experience. Am I giving him too many years? It doesn't matter. I'm going to give him 60 years of experience. My friend, Dr. Allen Berger, PhD. What up? <laughs> hey, the doctor's in the house, though. The doctor's in the house. The doctor is in the house. Now, you already know how I do this. I ask a bunch of questions, and then I'm going to get out of your way, Doc, because I need to understand trauma i need to understand pain i i need to understand the purpose of it is there a purpose for trauma can wounds lead to wisdom how does the brain's response to trauma contribute to the challenges of overcoming its effects what role does early childhood life experiences play in shaping an individual's ability to cope with and heal from trauma do most people just never heal their trauma they just live their life and the trauma gets to live with them rent free how can the psychological and uh, uh, philosophical imprints of trauma make it difficult to fully process and move forward the psychological effects the physiological effects. How 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 can that make it? These imprints make it very difficult to move forward. Are there certain types of trauma that tend to be more resistant to healing than others? What factors contribute to this? Does every relationship suffer from trauma? Doctor Berger, we need help, brother. We need help. How do we heal trauma? What is its purpose? Does it have a purpose? Well, God, so um, listen, all of your questions, we could spend a show <laughs> on, on each, each and every question you had, man. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Now, yeah, you, 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 you're giving me a tall order here. I don't know if I can handle it. Come man. on. It's, yes, it's, you can. We, no, no, I know. no. <laughs> listen, listen, this is what, what we want to start with, with this whole thing, <clears throat> is that we, we want to make, we really don't want to to get stuck with um, what I would call the DSM-5's definition of trauma. Mm. Because what they say is that that, that trauma, they, they just want to, lead, to pigeonhole trauma to say it's an unusual experience, and therefore it's, we will call that trauma. Mm. But you and I know that's too narrow a definition, man. That's pedantic. Right. We know that people suffer trauma as part of what goes on in their life, and to say that that's a normal part of experience, I think, is ridiculous. Mm. You know, so so let's look at two things here. Just let's look at you know, let's look at uh, adverse childhood experiences because I, I love that term, ace, right? A- aces. Adverse yeah. child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that term has got us all to think about things in a different way. Now, now, what is an adverse childhood experience? Well. Let's look at two dimensions that happen in childhood. One is, is what's going on, is the climate in your family, does it make you feel safe and emotionally secure? Mm. Now, just think about that. Now, if one doesn't feel safe, one cannot grow well. 
People grow when they feel safe in life. And now this has so many ramifications in so many directions, right? In terms of all the understanding we have now of race, right? And what the impact of that, that has of the prejudice mm. and the racism that we see in our culture. How do you feel safe in that scene? Right. Well, you don't, man. I mean, the bottom line is you don't. How do you feel safe if you've got an alcoholic father that you don't know what condition he's going to be in when he walks in the door? Mm. Or if you've got a mother that's alcoholic, and you walk in, and she's, she's passed out on the couch, mm. and you're walking in with your friends after school. Wow. Do you feel safe then? No. Of course not, no. right? So there's so many, so many different experiences that happen in our life that contribute to this feeling of being unsafe. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with this is, is if I haven't experienced safety and if I haven't experienced people helping me feel safe, how can I create safety later on in my life? Mm. Right? We do what we learn, so we know that. You know, I, I end up being able to manifest the ways that I've been treated in my life. And if nobody made me feel safe, I'm not going to know how to make myself feel safe. And if I don't know how to make myself feel safe... And I'm in a relationship with you, you can rest assured, right, that I am not going to make you feel safe either. And you know what's so heavy about what you're saying right now? This is for people, uh, like, like, for instance, he's talking about, you know, everybody has some trauma somewhere, somewhere. There's some trauma somewhere. There's, right. there's something, right. right? But imagine how much better relationships with would be if we had a safety boot camp for little boys. Wow. Teaching yep. young men how to yep. make women safe. Men, uh, listen, you, you hear it like I hear it. Many women come to me and say they don't feel safe around men. I'm thinking maybe that's, that's because we're, we're socialized a certain way. Men have lost the art of making women feel safe comfortable and safe now you could say a lot of those men are suffering from some type of childhood trauma you could say a lot of those women are suffering from childhood trauma but i think we headed off at the pass if we create a kind of workshop where we're teaching young boys right how to relax how not to be too aggressive how not to be too pushy and demanding of women, I think it would benefit in terms of how the young ladies would react to young men as they come up. I think right now, many women have, uh, I, I think, a legitimate fear of men. What are your thoughts? No, listen, it's what you're saying about that, creating this safety, you know, boot camp for, for young boys. The way that, that we could also think about it, so is each man needs to be initiated into manhood. Let's go. Talk to me. Let's go. See, see that, that's what we're talking about, because what you are talking about is the men that act that way are men that have not been initiated into manhood. They still have a very boyish idea of what it means to be a man. Mm. And for them, it means power over. Mm. Right? Being a man means conquering, means winning, mm. 
means having power over in a situation. So how do you dance with a woman and respect a woman and be in relationship with a woman with a woman that you love if it's all about winning all the time? Mm. If it's all about being right? Mm. Where how can love exist in that atmosphere though? It can't, can it? Mm. It can't. It simply can't. It can't. It just can't, man, and, and, and we've got to understand that. You know, a lot of times, and you and I have seen this, and we talk about this a lot, and you know what? I think we're going to do a safety boot camp for people. How about it? Is we're going to get people together, and we're going to help them learn how to create safety for themselves, and if they're in a relationship, how to create safety in that relationship. Mm. That's what we need to be doing in this world, because we need to feel safe, man. Yeah. When people feel safe they can grow they can they can flourish they can thrive they can be what they can be wow ladies and gentlemen you're listening to the voice of reason and his good friend dr alan berger author of you already know emotional sobriety 12 steps to emotional sobriety go get the book right now go get it let's let's cash mob him everybody go to amazon.com and purchase these works from my friend alan berger tonight's topic can wounds lead to wisdom how to effectively deal with trauma uh alan i have something i want you to think before uh, think about before we go uh to break here before we go forward i want you to answer this on the other side i'm going to read a quote and i want to get your thoughts on this quote uh there are wounds that never show on the body that are deeper and more hurtful than anything that bleeds. Laurel K. Hamilton. When we come forward, we'll get the good doc's thought on that quote. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of asking. Hello, who's this? Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Brittany. Hey, is it me you're looking for? Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. What's your question for you? So, first of all, good morning, Angela in the Charlemagne. Good morning. Um, Yee, my question for you is how can I prevent my past relationship trauma from ruining something that I'm in right now that's really, really beautiful. Like, if relationship PTSD was a thing, I have it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you do. A lot of us have that <laughs> PTSD from past relationships. We all do. The fact that you can identify that and want to work on it is already a great sign. So... Mm-hmm. I would really suggest, have you ever done or gotten any type of, like, therapy or just kind of work through those issues? Yes. Um, I've actually been in therapy for about a year now. Okay. And I thought everything was, you know, I thought I was on the up and up. However, this man that I've been with for about nine months now has given me no reason to, mm-hmm. you know, not trust him. But I still have those those moments when I want to just wig out. 
You know what? These are the things that I have to tell myself, too, because I had some past relationship trauma as well, right? So some things, and I, I've said this before, but I do lead with giving people the benefit of the doubt and giving them trust until they prove me wrong. I know some people do the opposite, but you don't, like you said, want to ruin something that's going really well because of your past relationships. And I never want to give people who don't. You're listening to The Voice of Reason live on KBLA Talk 1580. Of course, that was a clip from The Breakfast Club. You had Angela Angela. Yee, Charlemagne the God, and they were talking about trauma. A caller called in, wanted to know, how do I manage this trauma? When we came forward, we've now come full circle. I asked the great Dr. Allen Berger a great question, and I wanted to get his thoughts on it. And that quote was, there are wounds that never show on the body that are deeper and more hurtful than anything that bleeds. That quote is from Laurel K. Hamilton. Doc, what are your thoughts on that particular quote? Well, I I think truer words have never been said, though. Mm -hmm. I mean... Those emotional, I even call them spiritual wounds. Mm -hmm. Those spiritual wounds, man, they cut deeper than the bone. Mm. I mean, they cut to our souls, man. They cut to who, how we experience ourselves in this world. And how we experience ourselves in this world is going to be largely based on how we were experienced in this world. Mm. I'll say that again. How we experience ourselves in this world is going to be largely based on how we were experienced. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you had a parent that was giving you all these negative messages, you're a loser, you're never going to make anything of yourself, you're selfish, you're self-centered, you're stupid. I mean, these start to define our self-concept. Right. And so we go through our whole life, and, you know, even that other person that was talking about the trust in, in that little clip that you had mm-hmm. that was going on, mm-hmm. well, some of what's going on for her is her own insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Is that she doesn't believe that she is worthy of being loved. And this is a big deal, man. If, if, if I'm not experienced as lovable, how can I experience myself as being lovable and worthy of love? And then when I enter a relationship, what am I going to imagine is going to happen? Well, this person's going to realize that I'm not worthy of it. So now I'm, I'm expecting this thing to fall apart around me. We call it happiness anxiety, though. Happiness, we get anxious about being happiness. Happiness about being happy. anxiety? What? Please. Yeah, oh, my God. Give, give us the definition. Good, it can't we, last. We, oh, you know? It's too good to be truism? <laughs> It's too good to be true, man. If this is good, it's going to fall apart. We're just waiting for that moment. Oh, yeah, they're going to do it. They're going to get me. I know it's going to happen. Here it comes. Wow. Wow. Happiness anxiety. So now i got to hit you with this. Since you hit me with that, i got to hit you with another one. you got to give us your thought on this quote right here by Rick Warren. He says, if you want to find your purpose in life, find your wound. What are your thoughts? Mm. Well, that's, he's, he's heading in the right direction. But you, what you have to do is you have to turn that into a sacred wound. You just can't find your wound. You've got to convert it into a sacred wound, which means that you've done the work, that you've integrated the experience, that you've turned that into something that is informing you 
and helping you become what you can be. You see, when we do that, then it becomes a sacred wound. A great model of that is people in Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous that are in recovery and that they take what they've learned about their addiction and now they pass it on to someone. You see, they've taken their addiction and they've made it into a sacred wound. Mm, mm, mm. The, the wound now has a spiritual purpose. It, it, it's, it. It's, it's almost like an heirloom. It's something that is to be uh, cherished and something to be taken care of, something to be nurtured, something to be explored, looked into. Many people are afraid to do that, Doc. Why is that? Well, because you got to be willing to face your pain, Zoe. This is the hard thing, man. You and I know, we've worked with so many people, is that this is a pain-phobic society. We don't want to feel pain, man. We want to feel better right now. You know? I want that. I, I want to feel okay right now. I don't want to do the work. I don't want to have to sit and cry. I don't want to have to beat a pillow. I don't want to have to, you know, scream. open up my heart yeah. and scream and... and and, you know, let snot run down my nose and, right. and all those things, man. I just want to, don't you have a quick fix? Can't you just give me a word and then, then I can jump? You know, this, so this wait, is so wait, rampant. Doc, wait, Doc, we got we to gotta take this quick uh, pause. We'll pause for the cause because okay. he's cooking right now. Lord have mercy, Dr. Berger is cooking. Ain't enough meat on the bone. When we come forward, more from Dr. Alan Berger. Everyone at some point leaves relationships, jobs, and friendships. Sometimes it ends up being a blessing because they weren't right for us anyway. But what if you can't move on or get over it? What gives? Is this just you not being able to get it together? Or is there something a little more sinister at play? Unhealed relationship trauma is far deeper than you being stressed or relationship challenged. It's being unable to move on because of your previous relationship. Before we begin, we want to let you know the goal of this video is to help you understand relationship trauma and possibly how this may apply to you. With that being said, here are seven signs you may have unhealed relationship trauma. One, annoying physical symptoms. Do you feel completely drained after a long-term relationship ended? A study shows unresolved trauma can make normal aches and pains worse. This seems to stem from trauma putting your body on constant high alert, which is due to the activation of your physiological fight, flight, or freeze response. A toxic relationship is stressful for your mind and body. Your body's stress response was only meant to last for a short amount of time. But as several experts have noted, putting your body under stress for long periods of time can lead to increased inflammation, arthritis, heart attacks, weakened immune systems, and chronic pain. Two, your body and mind feel disconnected. Since you and your ex broke up, do people tell you that you have your head in the clouds? Have you started feeling like your life was some movie you were watching from the outside when the relationship started getting bad? These are features of disassociation or feeling detached from reality. A study noted people who seek help from trauma often report feelings of disassociation. Disassociation involves the disruption of your perceptions, memory, processing, and emotions. These include acting or feeling as though a traumatic event is still occurring. Three, your brain works differently. After ending a toxic or traumatic relationship, did you notice getting a lot of brain fog, forgetfulness, or racing thoughts? 
Ladies and gentlemen, do wounds lead to wisdom? The voice of reason is back in the building, of course, with his good friend and special guest, Dr. Alan Berger, man. Hey, hey, listen, when I tell you Berger is the real deal, he was cooking when we came forward, and now we've come full circle. I want to get him right back in the pocket. Talk to me, Dr. Berger. Let me just ask this. Because what I believe you're in this for and what I'm in it for is to change how we view intimate relationships. I think we, we take intimate relationships far too lightly. You mentioned something about the sp uh, a wound being a spiritual wound. And whenever, yeah. uh, whenever the term spiritual is added, spirituality, something that is spirit-based, I'm already locked into meaning. I'm locked into purpose. And so many people, because of Carl Jung's famous statement, when he said people will do anything no matter how absurd to avoid looking at themselves, I think they, so many people are in the, in the actual act of running away from their gifts. If in fact the wound contains a seed to your purpose, a seed to you leveling up. So many people would rather walk away because it's painful. How do we get around that, Doc? Well, Zoe, look, you're, you're, the question is so powerful, right? And all the things you're saying about it. How do we use our experience? and especially our painful experiences, and in this case, our traumatic experiences, to help us take the next step in our development. Mm -hmm. You see, that's, I think, the real, the, the important question here. And, you're, and, and listen, one answer to this is, and it's a simple one, it, it's that we're ignorant. We mm. just don't know how. Mm. Nobody's ever taught us how to take something, because in our culture, what we only want success, right? Mm -hmm. We want to win. Those are the kinds of things. But nobody ever tells us, how do you sit with disappointment? How do you sit with your pain? Mm. How do you sit with that trauma and work with it in such a way as to be able to integrate it to such a degree that you can level up, as you just said? Mm -hmm. And you see, what you and I know to be the case is that in every experience, especially those that are traumatic and painful, there's, there's a potential that if we know how to tap, can be an incredible impetus to our development and growth. Mm. Mm. Even in the face of the fear, because I believe once That's, we overcome the fear, we can go on that journey, right? Yeah, it's sometimes you have to go through that. You're right. And you know the way that people do it? Don't try to step over your fear. Own it. And this is what people don't want to say. If I say something like, I am so afraid, I don't want to open that door because I don't want to look what's behind it. That's the beginning of change. It's not opening the door. It's declaring that you don't want it opened. Mm. And this is what people don't understand is they just want to get the door open. But you got to first start and you got to own and, and claim that I don't want to open that door. I don't want to see what's behind it. I'm too frightened. Mm. Acceptance is the prerequisite to change. Acceptance is the prerequisite to change. 
And I know so many people don't want to hear it put that way, but that's how we're going to put it, and that's how we're going to stamp it. There's a young lady in my chat room I want her to call in right now. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. Atala Phillips, she writes, this is facts. We consume people instead of relating to them. Now, this takes me back to the original statement you made when you said we are all victims of victims. Can can you talk to me about this, the consuming of people and the non-relating to people and how victims of victims continue to perpetuate themselves in our family relationships, business relationships, on the whole nine. Talk to me about that. Well, all right, so this is what we're going to really tie something together here now. And so we're going to look at what happens when we have a trauma. What happens when we have an experience in our childhood that either threatens our emotional security or threatens our self-acceptance? See, what we do to deal with that, to ensure our existence, though, is we now require and fantasize that our future will reverse the experience of our past. And if we get more specific, it means that my partner, whoever that's going to be, will come in and give me everything that I didn't get. And so now we don't relate to them as who they are. We're looking at what they're going to do for us. And we become so dependent on, on how they are with us because we're desperate. We want these wounds healed, and we think they hold the key. So we don't see them, we don't see them as they are, we see them as we need them to be. That's the consumption right there. Mm. So what I'm getting here, wounds are bidirectional in terms of choice. You can either choose to be the self-savior or the victimized, wounded, broken person that this particular wound or traumatic event presented to you you can it's a choice still right yeah well and 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 when what we're also saying is it's unidirectional until i until i understand how this wound is is informing my relationship with my partner Mm. i'm not seeing my partner for who they are i'm seeing them in terms of who i want them to be I see them as a source of my my self esteem. I see them as source of my of my redemption. I see them as a source of my healing. You just broke Instead my of, heart, Doc. You just broke my I'm heart. Sorry, sir. You just I'm broke sorry. my heart, man. And I'm gonna tell I, I, you why. I hate breaking your heart. Uh, so. I'm gonna tell you why. You're basically why telling me, Alan, that people who don't heal their wounds get put into this default taker position. Yeah. You got it, man. That's it. Gosh. That's it, man. That's exactly what happened. Stay with me, Alan. When we come forward, Dr. Berger is going to keep slapping you upside the dome piece. Sean from Oakland, don't you hang up. When we come forward, I'm coming to you as well. Is it good to you? you? More Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams when we come forward. The California Crusader newspaper would like to thank all of our subscribers for their support throughout the years, proudly serving the South Los Angeles and South Bay areas for more than 40 years. The California Crusader is a multicultural, black-owned, adjudicated newspaper that focuses on providing newsworthy information to the people in our community. 
We're constantly looking for ways to assist businesses in our community to connect with our subscribers. We provide low-cost, effective ways to promote your business with our reasonable and affordable advertising rates. You can participate by suggesting, sharing, and submitting your stories on the California Crusader newspaper Community Share Facebook group page or visit our website at cow-cruise-news.com. That's cowcruisenews.com. Then click on the Submit Now button located on the top right corner of the homepage or text CCN to 42828. Again, text CCN to 42828. The California Crusader newspaper, working together to build a better community for our future. Subscribe today. today. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, poor candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy, Rizenkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months, and SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go hand in hand, nothing on my skin, that's my new plan. Don't use if allergic to SkyRizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. Attention taxpayers, ready for some bad news? With $80 billion in new funding from Congress, the IRS has launched their most aggressive hiring campaign ever to ramp up enforcement. If you're ignoring your taxes, don't delay another minute because your paycheck, your bank account, even your home or business could already be at risk. Now, here's the good news. Optima Tax Relief, America's number one tax relief firm, can get to work immediately helping to protect you from the IRS. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. Their tax attorneys and licensed professionals are experts at resolving tax problems. Let them help determine if you qualify for the Fresh Start Initiative or other powerful IRS tax assistance programs. Take control. Call Optima Tax Relief now for a free consultation. Call 800-919-9077. 800-919-9077. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. You know you want some more. More. It's the voice of reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 
and his legendary playlist. When was the last time you heard Here We Go by Portrait? Come on. Fire record. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason is on fire tonight. We're asking the question, can wounds lead to wisdom? One of my good friends is on the line right now, Dr. Alan Berger. Dr. Alan Berger and myself, we're about to do uh, a retreat. Dr. Alan, you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I'm really excited, though, that you and I are going to be planning a retreat here, probably right after the first of the year, where we're going to get some people together and, and help them, you know, become aware of themselves, become aware of these issues, and most importantly, discover new possibilities for their life. Mm-hmm. That's what we're interested in, is giving people a lot of hope that you can work with these things, you can struggle with these things, you can integrate what they're teaching you, and make a better life for yourself. I love it, brother. I love it. We're going to cook come 2024. Yes, we are. We're going to cook, yo. We are. It's we gonna, are. It's going to be epic. Or Doc, please, you... if you're interested in and send Joe, send Zoe or me a, a note, and we'll make sure you're on the mailing list. There you go. I love to hear it. Hey, Doc, would you like to talk to some callers? Yes, let's do that. So I love doing that. Here we go. Sean from Oakland, California. Get in here. Yeah. Hey, what a wonderful interview. What a wonderful um, show. You know, when you said um, emotional trust and safety, and, and and I'll go one more, physical trust and safety. Yeah. As children, right? I mean, when we are, uh, like, trying to exist in this world, right, we are, are going to be, you know, absorbing all of that. And so, yes, there's nothing, in my opinion, more important than emotional trust and safety and physical yeah. trust and safety. Yeah. From, the, from the point of view of your primary guide, if it's your parents or your grandparents or whomever mm-hmm. ends up spending the most time with you, that, that you have that. You have that to always go back to. You know, and yes, a lot of us don't have that. And so I agree that, you know, when those wounds get out into the real world and we're all, you know, navigating it. Um, but let's always go back to this. If, if you're still dealing with your own wounds, let's make sure to provide emotional safety and trust and physical safety and trust to all those people that we're guiding. Mm. Mm. Right on, man. Right on. And I love that you brought in the physical part, man. That was great, man. Thank you. We appreciate you, you, man. This is a wonderful show. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for always calling in, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call us at 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines right now. Let me get back to it. The intricate nature of trauma casts a very long shadow over all of those who experience it, often making the journey towards healing a complex and daunting endeavor. At the heart of this challenge lies the brain's intricate response to trauma, a response shaped by evolution to safeguard survival, but which can impede the path to recovery. So the, 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 the brain is, it keeps it simple. It cuts the fat. We're in danger. We go into survival mode. 
But survival mode is not a mode you want to stay in because that can impede your pathway to recovery. Now, when confronted with a traumatic event, the brain instinctively triggers the fight or flight response or freeze, right? An ancient survival mechanism designed to mobilize the body for action in the face of danger. While this response is essential for immediate safety, it can inadvertently hinder long-term healing. The release of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and uh, they, they can lead to hyperarousal, hypervigilance, and a heightened sensitivity to the potential threats that may or may not exist right now. So it seems to me that trauma is very powerful if it doesn't have a manager. Give me some tips, Doc, on how to become an effective trauma manager. Well, I'll do that, but I want to elaborate a little bit something, Zoe, because what you're saying is so important about what the brain does. But the brain, what also happens, and this is really important, is that we develop a characterological response to what's going on in the brain, mm -hmm. meaning that we have to shape our personality in a way that's going to in the best possible way we have available to us that's going to create that safety and security. Mm -hmm. So let's say I was hurt and there was nobody there for me. I will become self-reliant mm -hmm. to try to create that sense of safety in the world. Mm -hmm. That becomes a characterological thing. And in fact, and this is what Wilhelm Reich, excuse me, one of Freud's disciples discovered he says every trauma turns into a characterological adaptation. Mm. And that adaptation, that adaptation has to be worked with and understood because what you did is you put some armoring on. And you're not going to change this until you can start to take the armor off. Wait, this is so heavy. So when you say characterological, the moment you said that, I immediately, my mind went right to John Bowlby because it sounded like you mm -hmm. described a dismissive avoidant. There you go. Yep. Do you see? Like, there you go. Oh, yep. that's heavy, bro. That's heavy. Are we that's saying, are we saying the attachment styles are characterological styles? Yeah, that's right. That's one, that's one way we can describe them. They're, they're, and they're armored. They're, they're armoring. See, what we're doing is we're trying to armor ourselves so that we protect ourselves because we don't want to ex continue to experience that trauma. We have to ensure our existence. We know that's the case. That drive is so powerful. And so what we say is that those adaptations that, that are made are made to ensure our existence, Oh my! that we're going to save as much of ourselves as we can. Oh, when we come forward, when we come forward, our number two is going to be even hotter. I can't believe he just said the attachment styles are, are characterological. That's a character. You, you are your attachment style. That isn't even the real you. When we come forward, more from Dr. Allen Berger. 
Have you ever lost a loved one or a meaningful relationship? Or perhaps you got rejected by your crush? Were you treated unfairly by your parents as a child? After any traumatic event, it's important to work on the necessary healing. Unhealed trauma can affect our brain and lives in many ways and unfortunately will not die down on its own. So, here are five ways unhealed trauma affects us. One, potential violent acting out. Have you ever wondered why some people turn to violence and aggression? In our brains, there's an emotional hub called the amygdala. While the amygdala controls the expression of many emotions, it tends to have a very prominent role in fear and aggression. Unhealed trauma tends to intensify these negative emotions in the brain, such as fear, anxiety, agitation, stress, and so on. According to Carolyn Yoder from Peace After Trauma, when trauma goes unhealed, the normal stress reactions from trauma can amplify into acts of violence. Yoder says that this sort of violence can pass through generations, so she suggests trying to break this cycle and heal as soon as possible. Two, the potential development of PTSD. It's natural to feel afraid during a traumatizing situation, but do you often feel stressed or frightened even when you're not in real danger? Post-traumatic stress disorder is one of the most well-known impacts of trauma. But did you know that PTSD actually results from unhealed trauma? This anxiety disorder can manifest in many ways. Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR is on fire tonight, live from KBLA Talk 1580 in the heart of Leimert Park. I'm on right now. Can wounds lead to wisdom? We have one of the foremost experts on the subject, Dr. Alan Berger, author of Emotional Sobriety. Can you tell them where to get your book? You have so many books. Tell them about your books and your work and your practice and where people can follow you. Well, thanks. So listen, my latest book is 12 Essential Insights for Emotional Sobriety. And a lot of the things we're talking about are related to emotional sobriety. Emotional sobriety is another way of describing it. It's emotional freedom. It's emotional autonomy. And that's what we're talking about. See, part of the wisdom quest that we're on here, Zoe, tonight with this whole discussion of trauma is how do we take an experience that has put us in a cell and how do we break free from that cell? Now, that cell we constructed to protect ourselves just before in our discussion about the characterological adaptation to trauma. You see, we're going to create as much safety as we possibly can by building whatever we build around us, whether it's walls, whether it's bars with space, whether it's we try to, you know, we try to please other people. We think that our safety is going to come if, they, if we get them to love us. I mean, there's so many different ways that this goes. Mm-hmm. But what we, you and I know, that those adaptations were the best possible solutions at the time, but they're not the best solutions. Mm. There are solutions that we can discover today that are going to honor our integrity, our wholeness, all of what we are, all of who we are. And in fact, it's a great way to define mental health. Mental health is an appropriate balance. Mm-hmm. and coordination of all of what we are. Mm-hmm. And see, that's that's what happens is when you get to that, you're a wise person, man, because you're operating with an awareness of yourself and others. Mm. 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 What strategies 
Can individuals use to gradually build a sense of safety and agency in their trauma recovery? How can we simplify healing? What is healing? Many people think healing is waiting. If I just if I isolate myself, if I just run for a little while and I I get my mind off of it, I distract myself. What exactly is healing, Doc? Well, you know, for, for me, healing is integration. That's, that's what causes healing, is to take the experience that has not been fully digested and to digest it. See, I like to use our biology as, a, as an example of what it means to digest an experience. So if I take an apple and I take a bite of that apple, right, that apple starts out as an apple. It goes into my mouth. I chew it up. It mixes with my saliva to make it easier for me to swallow. It gets into my gut, and there's some acid gets added, more enzymes. It gets churned up into kind of a mulch, and it gets passed into the intestines. Mm -hmm. And as it goes through the intestines, my body takes out of that what I need and gets rid of the rest. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a part of you, right? There it is. You can't even say it's an apple anymore. Now it's Alan or it's Zoe. Right. And see, that's what we can do with any trauma. We have to chew it up. We have Mm. to we have to digest it. Sometimes we have to throw it up because it's just horrible. Mm. I mean, I've worked with so many trauma, you know, victims and stuff that they've had is that at some point in the therapy, they're actually got their head over a a wastebasket, throwing up the bile in their gut from the experience. Mm. And that's how they digest it. So we've got to give people, we've got to create a safe space for people to, what we call, create a safe emergency where people can go into this situation, deal with that trauma so that they can start to integrate it and, and grow from what they can from that experience and get rid of the rest. One more question before we go to callers. Because this is very heavy, what you're talking about here, man. And I'm starting to just really see it. Would you say that true healing is the ability to feel without fear or judgment? Whatever you've been through, whatever the pain is, to be able to feel it without judging it. You got it. You to find the courage to allow yourself to surrender to the experience. Mm. That's right on. And as you surrender to it, there is no judgment. It is what it is. And you and 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 hopefully around someone like you or me or someone else that loves you and cares about you and is going to support you and guide you through that process. We can't do this alone, man. This is not something you do alone. So you know what's interesting? <laughs> Listening to you, it just wakes up so many ideas. And, and you know how I am, Doc. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know how you are. Yes, I do. <laughs> it, I love it, it, man. I love who you are, Zoe. I love who you are. Years ago, I saw this guy have a terrible accident on the basketball court. It was probably the most horrific accident I've ever seen on a concrete asphalt basketball surface. And maybe a couple of weeks before he was out there playing, and he wasn't really good, of course. He couldn't really play. But he was out there with us. And he he winds up twisting his ankle. So then, you know, for a couple of weeks, he's, he's coming, but he's not playing. And then finally, he decides to get back on the court. 
But what I notice is that he is nursing the ankle. And he yep. gets on the court and he plays gingerly to try to prevent from hurting himself. And I can remember telling him, you can't play like that. Either you're hurt and you can't play, right? <laughs> or you, you, you sit down and you give yourself some time and you recuperate. And what happens is when you're always focused on what might happen, you could inadvertently bring that into play. And when I tell you the guy went out there after I told him, you know, to sit down, he broke his leg, broke his ankle, the same ankle. Ooh. So he broke his ankle, broke his leg. I had to put him in his car <laughs> and, and drive him to the hospital. I mean, it was a really bad injury only because he was so focused on what might happen, yeah. on what could happen. So when I'm listening to you explain, like many times we're looking at the wound in the same way. How do I protect it? How do I prevent yeah. the wound from being re-injured? How do I not go through this again? And sometimes you might be bringing the problem to the new situation. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Just based on the thought process oh, it's, you it's, have. It's, it's, no, listen, it's, it's, it's a brilliant observation. So that's so true, man, is that by protecting ourselves and thinking we're going to prevent it, we end up creating a worse situation, mm. a worse situation. You, you know, it's very interesting is that um, Dr. Carl Menninger described the alcoholic as a guy who's on fire, Right. And he's running on a pier, and he decides to jump off the end of the pier to douse the flames. But the guy doesn't know how to swim. Mm. Mm. So here we go. We, we try to deal with one problem by trying to, to, to put ourselves in a situation. And what we do is if you don't get informed by it, then, you, then it be, we make it worse. Right. Right. We don't make it better, man. We don't make it better. We exacerbate it. Mm, mm, mm. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Dr. Alan Berger. I'm getting ready to go forward, but when we come full circle, I'm going to the phone lines. We got Jacksonville, Florida. We got Michigan, Battle Creek, Michigan. But before we come forward, let me just say this. It has been said, time heals all wounds. I do not agree. The wound remains in time. Yep. The mind projecting its or protecting its sanity covers them with scar tissue and the pain lessens. But it is never gone. Rose Kennedy. When we come forward, we're going to keep cooking. Wounds do lead to wisdom. The intricate web of trauma's impact extends far beyond the moment of the traumatic event itself. It reaches into the recesses of an individual's early life experiences, weaving together a complex tapestry that influences how they navigate and heal from trauma. The role of these formative experiences is pivotal in shaping an individual's ability to cope, adapt, and ultimately transcend the haunting grip of trauma. Early life experiences lay the foundation for an individual's emotional regulation, attachment styles, and coping mechanisms. Children who have grown up in nurturing and secure environments 
tend to develop healthy emotional regulation skills, enabling them to process and manage distressing emotions more effectively. In contrast, those who experienced inconsistent care, neglect, or abuse may struggle to regulate their emotions, amplifying the intensity of their trauma responses. Now, attachment styles established early in life uh, significantly impact the capacity to form trusting relationships and to seek support when confronted with trauma. (sighs) Securely attached individuals often have a greater ability to lean on others during times of distress, fostering a sense of safety and facilitating the heal the healing process. Insecure attachment patterns, on the other hand, can often lead to difficulty in seeking help, a tendency to isolate, or even reenactment of past traumatic dynamics in adult relationships. Obviously, trauma has value. But if many of us do not see it as valuable, Doc, how can we change the norm? How can we normalize embracing trauma, empathetically embracing what we've been through so we can crack it open and extrapolate the actual jewel that is contained within the wound? Yeah, that's the, you know, this is, this is the importance of working through the issue in what we call finishing unfinished business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a process, though, and you know that and I know that. You know, it begins with an awareness of how the trauma has informed you in your development. We talked about the characterological adaptation. You called it the attachment styles. That's an, another way to think about it. We got to become aware of what we're doing, right? As we become aware of what we're doing, then we start to dig into, well, what sent me off on this trajectory? What what are the things that I need to deal with and go back to? You know, I'll just to give you a quick example from my life. My father was diagnosed with cancer when I was ten. Mm. Up to that point in time, my family felt very safe and secure, and now all of a sudden, this this cancer invaded our family and was starting to eat away the very security of our family Mm. and of my life. And then when he died, right, the day after Christmas in 1963, December 26th, I remember my mom walking in the room. She said, your daddy died last night. She's in tears. And she pivoted Zoe and walked out. And I was standing there all by myself. At that point in time, I realized there was going to be nobody there for me, and I had to become self-reliant in order to deal with this trauma. Mm. And at that point, at that point, I made the decision that the rest of my life is going to be a test of my invulnerability. I am not going to depend on anyone. I'm not going to re- rely on anyone, and I'm going to go through this life like I can. I don't need anybody. The opposite was true. Right. This guy Ernie Larson says. We lo- we're looking for the right thing, but in the wrong areas. Mm. I needed love. I needed connection. I didn't need self-reliance. Mm. And so what I turned to is alcohol and drugs. You know, I'm in recovery from alcoholism and drug yeah. addiction. I've got 52 years in recovery. Mm-hmm. And my God, but I was looking for, for that love and connection in the bottle. 
mm. men in a pill, in a joint. I mean, I thought that that was going to give it to me. And then when that didn't do it, I thought maybe maybe if I find the right woman, she'll have the answer. Mm. And the, the answer was in the relationship, but not on me depending on her. It's on creating a loving atmosphere. I didn't. You can't do that when you're self-reliant. So and, and self-reliant is dismissive avoidant or fearful avoidant you Atta- got it. attachment right. styles, right? That's Gosh. right on, man. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other ones, you know, there's an aggressive attachment style that thinks that by by having power over everyone, right, that you're going to be okay. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. controlling everybody, that's going to be the answer. Or getting everybody to love you, or not needing anything. I mean, these are all these are all strategies. None of them work. Mm. None of them work. Mm. Paulo Coelho he says something very powerful. The author of The Alchemist. He says, "Don't allow your wounds to transform you into someone you are not." <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. That's what happens to us. That is what happens to us. That's what our wounds do. All right, Doc. That's let's what get, they do. Let's get some callers in here, man. They want to talk to yeah, you, Doc. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here the doctor's in the house. Here we go. Mimi from Jacksonville, Florida. Get in here. Hey, Zoe. Hey, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. We on the line. Talk to us. This is a great topic. Really, um, it's hitting home. Dr. Berger mentioned earlier in the show about self-attachments and... He specifically was talking about self-protection. And um, I'm a very positive person, you know, bubbly. I always try to find the good in everyone until they show me who they are. They show me the truth, you know what I'm saying? I always try to find the silver lining. And I think that I have used self-protection as a way to um, overlook or get past, deal with, cope with past trauma. And I didn't think that was a bad thing until tonight. Like, maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it. Am I, am I, am I off base? Am I wrong? You are, no, you are, you are, you are, you're, you're, you're digging for gold here. You're in the right direction. You're definitely, you're definitely going in the right way because see, when I move into that protective eye in order to deal with this, I cut off my ability to be in relationship to you or to mm-hmm. others. And, you and mean me? Again, I'm cutting myself off? Yeah, that's right. We, we don't think we are. We think we're protecting ourselves, but we're cutting ourselves off. Mm-hmm. You see, and, and even what you said, I'll, I'll play back something that you said to me, and I want you to hear it because this is very important what you said. You said, I'm going to go ahead and trust them until they show me who they are. They're not showing Mm -hmm. you who they are. You know what they're showing you? They're showing you who they became in order to protect themselves. See, they're showing you the Mm -hmm. same thing that you're showing them. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing them because they're they're somewhere in there. They've gotten lost too, right? Mm -hmm. They're somewhere in there. What they're, you're, you, you see what I'm saying? You're seeing what they've done to protect themselves. That's not who they are. Mm-hmm. Just like that's not who you are. You know, okay. you want love. You want connection. You want, you, want, you want to be accepted just like I do. And we don't know how to do that and, and not make somebody too important. So we protect ourselves. 
Wait, wait, Doc. You said something so profound. I have to jump in here to get some more clarification on it. Are you saying when there are unhealed wounds that in a lot of ways we're not, like you said, the real person is in there somewhere, but we're not really interfacing with the real person. Could we be... Could we be dating a coping mechanism? <laughs> yeah, we are. That's a great way to say it, man. Yeah. We're, we're dating. We're dating who somebody who some what they became in order to once again, as I said, to adapt to that trauma. And and, and of course, it's gonna. They're gonna be that protective eye. The way to think about it is we retreat into a protective eye. That protective eye is going to take all kinds of different forms and shapes in terms of its adaptation. Mm. <laughs> so, I, go ahead, know, Mimi. I'm, go I'm, ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do what I've been trying to avoid. I mean, it sounds good, it does, but I'm afraid to do it. I'm gonna have to see a therapist because I don't know how to. <laughs> be yeah. anything yeah. else because right I I thought that I you know I'm positive and I'm nice and I'm sweet and people like me well, you, you are. Know? yeah but I need to see a therapist yeah you do sweetie that's right that's right that's okay that's I good to know that it's very it's good to know that it's really good to know that and and give yeah. yourself some credit for, for being aware of that and seeing that right now. Good for you. Yes, this is a Good beautiful breakthrough, Mimi. Don't don't see this as a bad realization. This is no. a great realization, sweetheart. Yeah, I yeah. just don't right know on. if I, you know, you hear so many things about therapists and everything, and they want to know everything, and I just don't know if I want to tell everything, but I know I have to. Well, hey, you, they, if, if somebody starts off wanting to know everything, they're not a good therapist. There you they're going to meet you where you're at. They're going to meet you where you're at, Mimi. And they're going to make okay. sure you support yourself. And they're not going to take you too fast. If they are, then they're not the right person. You get out of their office. Wait, stay and with us. Got I, I want Mimi and the doctor to stay with us. When we come forward, we're going to go back to Mimi and Dr. Berger. This is so powerful. The Voice of Reason is happening right now. Today, we're going to talk about trauma triggers. Since these can sneak up on us. You know, they can be upsetting and often ruin our days. Before we jump into that, I want to let you know that my book Traumatized is available for pre-order right now. In this book, I dig into what trauma is, how it can feel, and ways that we can heal from it. It's my hope that this helps answer any questions or concerns that you may have about PTSD and offers tangible options for healing and growth. So click the link at the top of the description to pre-order yours now. Isn't she pretty? I'm so excited. I hope you love it. Most of us are aware of the larger trauma triggers. We can recognize some of the people, places, and things that harmed us and do our best to avoid them all. For example, if our trauma had something to do with the beach, we can avoid any area with sand or sounds of the beach. We can sit down with our therapist and make a list of all the things that we know trigger our trauma response or bring us back into those frightening events. But what about the unconscious triggers, the ones that maybe we don't recognize and often find upsetting us or pulling us into flashbacks and causing us to dissociate? Those are the ones that I want to talk about today, the unconscious trauma triggers and how we can identify them so that they no longer harm us. We are constantly taking in our environment. 
the sounds, the scents, how the outside air feels on our skin. We are like sponges for sensation, which can be great when it comes to enjoying ourselves and assessing our area for threat so that we're kept safe. But this can also make us more vulnerable to trauma triggers, which brings me to one of the most common unconscious trauma triggers, scent. Over the years, I've had patients report getting flashbacks or dissociating when in tight or busy spaces, like an elevator or at a work conference, and chalking it up to being around a lot of people that they don't know. And while that may be the case, sometimes when we dig a little deeper, we can find that a perfume or cologne worn by someone in the Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason back in the building. Friends and family, you already know we have tough discussions here. And real moments happen all the time. On the line right now, we've got my guest, Dr. Alan Berger, therapist extraordinaire. And of course, Mimi from Jacksonville. Get back in here, Mimi. Hey. Mimi, first off, let me just say thank you for the transparency. We love you. You know this is a safe space. Uh, Thank you. And I appreciate you for calling and opening it up and sharing with Dr. Berger. If you have any other questions you want to ask him, now's the time to do it. Well, um, so therapy is a good place to start. But before I go to a therapist, um, should I journal my thoughts? Do I... Will I go in, I tell them, well, I guess, I don't know. Do they tell me what they want to talk about? I've never, well, I did see a therapist when I was 13. Well, pr- practice it right now, Mimi. Practice <laughs> with Dr. Berger right now. He's on the line. <laughs> just so, just oh, ask look, him a question. So here, Mimi. Okay. Mimi, look, look mm-hmm. so you want to slow it down a little bit. So what, what you want to first think about, so you want to interview, you want to think about that you're hiring the therapist. So don't give mm-hmm. them the power, Okay. You okay. want to make sure you feel safe with that person and, and that you think that they're going to help you. See, mm-hmm. what, what I tell people that come and see me is that in our first interview, we're going to see if I can help you, and we're also going to see how we, how we feel about working with each other. Because if, mm-hmm. if, if, if we're not a good fit, if you don't feel like I can be there for you and act in your best interest, you, there's no reason for you to be in the room with me. Mm. And the same thing, if I don't feel safe with you, I don't want to be in the room with you. So we both got to pay attention to that. But here's what I tell my, my clients. If you don't leave every session I have with more than you started, then I'm not doing my job. Mm. Okay. Now hear I, that I, again, I, Mimi. Every session I, that you go to, you need to walk away with more than you walked into that room with. That's your, that's your gold standard right now that I'm giving you. The only experience I—I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The only no, experience I have with the therapist is when I was 13, so I was a child, yeah. and she asked yeah. me some questions, and um, I wanted to continue on, but you know, my family said that you know, black people, you don't do that, and I just kind of like always had that in my mind, and I know that therapy is a yeah. good thing, but it's always that judgment. So I guess I've yeah. always looked at it like. Almost like going to a therapist from a child's point of view and not a grown woman yeah. that I am right there now. There you go. There you go, Mimi. That's important what you're just saying. You got to differentiate that, and you just did. Fantastic. <laughs> See, it's already working. You owe him two hundred dollars. Now, listen. 
<laughs> oh, no. Uh, but Mimi, no, no. but Mimi, you see how, you know, uh, welcoming and inviting Dr. Berger is. Maybe, yes. you, maybe you should reach out to Dr. Berger. And if not, maybe you could ask him if he knows somebody in your area. You're in Jacksonville, Florida. You create a relationship here. Yeah, you know, I'm you scared, go. though. <laughs> you know, I'm that still you, scared, listen, but I know I'm supposed to do it. All of you is welcome. All of you is welcome here, Mimi. All of you, even the scared part of you. There's room for that, too, sweetie. There you go. Okay. Well, Mimi, we okay. love you. Once again, Mimi is the champion of today. She fought That's her right. fears. She called in. That's she right. was go. transparent. Go, Mimi. Mimi, we <laughs> appreciate you. you. Yes, yes. Thank Let's you. get Heru Ali from Battle Creek, Michigan in here. Battle Creek, Michigan. This is going to be different, Dr. Berger. This guy right here, I don't know. Prepare to hear what you're not going to do. <laughs> Talk to us, Heru Ali. Welcome to the show. What are your thoughts? You got questions for Dr. Berger? Let him rip. Peace and love to the family of nations. Honors, <laughs> honors Mimi. Honors Zoe. KBLA staff. Honors Dr. Honors Dr. Berger. <laughs> Are you okay? You breaking Alan down? Berger. Too? Are you breaking oh, down? Oh yeah! Come on! Yeah, can can you hear me? I can hear can you, you hear breaking me? down already, brother. I don't come. Come on, man! Come listen, through tonight, it. Tonight, listen, listen. If those who are listening right now, Jews are always dropped on this show, on this broadcast, on the YouTube. But if y'all not have been moved in your spirit tonight. With the the complete authenticity, and I appreciate the distinctions between the military PTSD of being in war, because I am a veteran of 23 years, versus the so-called civilian PTSD and the grace and the mercy that has been extended. Listen, at first, I had so many angles that I wanted to come from, from the non-support on the Super Chat to that's not even it. That's That's not not even it. That's not even it. Dr. Allen Berger, did I I pronounce it correct, sir? Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yes, you did. Absolutely. Salute to you. Honors to you. Honors to you, Zoe. Andy, everybody, listen. They laid it out so flat. This is not even, this ain't even on, you know, because I come on here and be like, EMP, inflation, all of that stuff. No, no, this, this is absolutely not that at night. Because guess what? Even if you know that a nuke is coming in, who are you? Who are you cuddling up to? With the last minutes of of your lives, whether you're yeah. afraid to die or not, that's that that doesn't even matter. I thank y'all for breaking it down raw. Listen, who whoever's listening to this, y'all gotta play this back because I I don't think it, and it's not even got to do with with the support in the super channel and stuff tonight. The information this 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 stuff right here. This stuff right here, right here, 
Right here, right here. This right here. <laughs> Peace and love to the Philadelphia Nations. I'm not even going to waste nobody's time even going into the, all the points that I was coming at. Peace and love to the Philadelphia Nations. Thank you. I love y'all. Thank you, Haru. I love y'all. We love you too, brother. Hey, Haru is touched. I haven't, I haven't seen Haru like that in a long time. Haru is touched. I'm calling in callers. True monger. Atala Phillips. We want everybody to call in. Listen to this quote right here. David Rico says, Our wounds are often the openings into the best and most beautiful parts of us. Wow. And then, of course, the Buddha said, Our sorrows and wounds are healed only when we touch them with compassion. Dr. Berger, can you talk to me about how to cultivate self-compassion, self-empathy, self-acceptance, self-acknowledgement, self-esteem, self-worth? How do we get these things actually running, up and running in our spirit so we can handle the challenges and the trials and tribulation that some relationships bring to us? Well, look, so you're, you're getting to the heart of the matter for our, in terms of our relationship with ourselves, right? And, mm-hmm. and it, it does come down to self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And look, when, when you have all these ideas about who you should be, you can't be who you are. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, right? When I have all these ideas, and what, and the, and the issue is, is that most of us dedicate our lives to being who we should be rather than to being who we are. <laughs> See, we try to actualize a concept of ourselves instead of actualizing who we really are. Mm. And that generates all these shoulds. So then when, when you don't live up to these ideas, then, then you unleash that beast, man. We start criticizing ourselves, putting ourselves down. The should monster shows up, right? The and, should and monster. You should all over us. Mm, right. You should, should all, all over, over yourself. <laughs> that's right, man. And that's and that's you know, look, and that's gonna that's gonna tear you down. Self esteem is an utter refusal to have an adversarial relationship with yourself. You refuse no, 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 to no. let that part get away no. with that. I need you to stop. You cannot come into my show and hit people in the face like that. Just stop. What did he just say? You got to say that one more time, Doc. It, self-esteem is an utter refusal to have an adversarial relationship with yourself. <laughs> an utter refusal. So when that should, when that part of you, your should monster comes after, you got to take him on. You got to back him off and you can say, look, I've been trying to do what you've been telling me to do my whole life. It's not working. I need your help. I don't need your criticism. I need you to join me to be what we can be and not try to be something we're not. We need to shift our focus Mm. into something that's going to be nourishing, that's going to help us grow and help us realize and and support who we instead of trying to live up to these ideals. Oh, my God. Listen, to back up Dr. Berger, I bring in my favorite philosopher, J. Krishnamurti. He says, in awareness, there is no becoming. There is no end to be gained. There is silent observation without choice 
and condemnation from which there comes mm. understanding. When we come forward, Dr. Berger and I, we're going to take some more callers. The voice of reason is a complete fire. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, the voice of reason has returned. My good friend, Dr. Alan Berger, is with me. And we're talking about how to effectively deal with trauma. And that quote, man, that quote from Krishnamurti was just so powerful. I want to hit it again. He says, in awareness, there is no becoming. When you are aware, you don't, you can never become something you aren't already. Anyway, Michael Jackson was going to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> Kobe was going to be Kobe. It's just, you can never become something you aren't already. And that's why I love this quote here. He says, in awareness, there is no becoming. There is no end to be gained. There is silent observation without choice and condemnation from which there comes understanding. J. Krishnamurti, if you approach your wounds this way, your wounds will open up and reveal the oyster pearl. It'll give it to you. But because you've empowered it, because you're afraid of it, and you judge it and you condemn it, it stays tightly closed and in a leadership position in your spirit, dictating who you should date and how you should date and when you should break up. People don't understand. This is the power you've given those unhealed wounds. Doc, we got a couple of people on the line. You want to talk to them real quick? Oh, yeah. Let's, 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 let's have a conversation. All right, guys. you got to make it quick because we're at the end. Theo. Charleston, South Carolina. Get in here. Hey, Dr. Allen. Uh, if I have a quick question. If I'm doing yes. self-aware work at home, mm -hmm. uh, listening, to Zoe, listening to therapists online, I'm not saying that I don't want to go to therapy, but how does that help me go to therapy as I'm doing all that work already? Well, that's great, man. It's, look, it's, if you're developing a self-awareness, but there's something that happens when we share it with another, because we still may have some, our blind spots, mm -hmm. and you might not be able to see them. See, we don't know what we don't know. We can't see what we can't see. And, it, and, and so if I'm listening to somebody, like what happened with Mimi? Mimi thought that she was going down one direction, and she thought what she was doing was something of value to herself. And I shared from my perspective something that Mimi wasn't aware of. And when she brought that in, it opened up her consciousness to a whole new vision. And we can't do that alone, man. That's that's, but, not, that's, I, but, that's uh, where we but need aren't each other. Supposed to getting that for, but aren't I supposed to be getting that reflection for my mate? Yeah, but but isn't you can't, that the mirror you, you that I'm supposed to see be your blind spots? You, yeah, but see, you can't see your blind spots by yourself. Mm, okay, you just can't see them. It's impossible. It's impossible. I can't see my blind spots. And look, I do this stuff all the time, right. and I've got them. You know, I go to right. I, I'm I'm doing some therapy now to deal with a personal crisis in my life, and I'm telling you, stuff is being revealed to me. And I've been doing this stuff for fifty years, man. So, so let me just say this really quickly, Theo. I he's mm -hmm. the doc said you can't see your blind spots. He's a hundred percent true. He's a hundred percent correct when he says that. I say it a little differently. I say you can't watch the show. You're the star of. 
Mm, you're starring in a I show. Like, you can't be a yeah. spectator of what you're starring you can't be in. The audience, yeah. <laughs> Do you see what I'm good saying? Show. So, yeah. So when good. he's talking about the blind spot, sometimes you got to take yourself off the set, and then go mm. to the therapist so he can have you look at yourself from a different perspective. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's what he means by the blind yeah. spots. You you can't see him through your partner. Your partner's a work in progress just as you are. So they've got blind spots. So you have to go to an right. objective source so they can point you in a direction to take. You feel me? Okay. All right, All brother. Right. We appreciate Thank it. You. We appreciate it. I'm trying to get the last caller. Atala, we are all, you got 30 seconds. <laughs> Oh Lord. Okay. Hi, Dr. Berger. Hi. Um. Hi, Zoe. Okay. Hi. So, quick question. Um. What do you recommend for people trying to heal in the presence of the people that abuse them? Ooh. Ooh. That's a challenge, right? That's a big, big, big challenge. Um. It's hard. It's a bigger challenge. I think it's possible, but you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to do a few things that are good to make that to make that a reality. One is quickly not take what they're doing personally. Understand what they're doing. They're doing. They're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. That's number one. Number two, you got to hold on to yourself. You can't let what they're doing define who you are. Oof. So that's so that's those are the two things. If you're going to be in that situation, you've got to cultivate those as soon as possible to be able to do what you what you're asking yourself to do. All right, listen, we've got to go. Thank you so much to all the callers. My brother, Dr. Allen Berger, I appreciate you, brother. We will talk Thanks soon. So. Thank you, man. I love you, bro. Listen, fire continues. The Voice of Reason is out.